Welcome, everybody, to the That Kind of Nerd Podcast. I am CJ Mellon. I am Brian Thornton. And I am Josh Burns. Welcome to our show. Episode 3 is titled Dark and Gritty. Today we talk about the DC television universe, in particular Flash and Arrow. Then we talk about the Batman vs. Superman and Star Wars trailers that were released last week. Things get a little nerdy, but trust us, it's going to be a good conversation, and we have a great controversial way to have people who have never seen the Star Wars saga get into the story. Let's start the show. So the internet kind of went on fire this week uh, with a, with a lot of content, and most of it was uh, kind of trailer-related. Um, we're going to talk about that, but we're, what we want to do is we kind of want to step back away from the movie scene right now, and we want to go to the small screen. And we kind of want to talk a little bit about DC and Marvel. We want to keep it kind of nerdy. And we want to talk about their television universe and, and how that's kind of going. Because in, in our opinion right now, we think DC is doing a, a pretty um, – well, they're doing a good job on the content, but the storyline isn't meshing up. So I actually want to thank Brian because Brian got us into watching Arrow and The Flash, uh, which are both amazing shows on the CW. And even though we were reluctant to try it, I think we uh, owe him a debt of gratitude uh, for introducing them to us. So, Brian, what I'd love to hear right now is your perspective on the DC universe in, in television and how well that's kind of going for him. Um, yeah, absolutely. So first off, you are welcome for introducing you to uh, Arrow and Flash because they are fantastic shows. And uh, honestly, as far as the, the grand scape of DC universe television goes, they're probably the, the cream of the crop and, and doing it better than, than the rest at this point. Um, so really up until this point, everything was very Batman and Superman centric. Everybody knows who Batman and Superman are. And um, now with, you know, huge successes like the Marvel movies and the movies like Thor and Captain America, um, DC's kind of behind the, the curve here trying to kind of play catch up and figuring out how do we introduce the main, you know, characters to people who are not so into comic books. And Flash and Arrow do it wonderfully. Um, they're, they're very good. They're easy hopping on points uh, to kind of get engrossed in these characters who are not really as huge as Superman and Batman. Um, and what's interesting too is that the characters that they uh, the character that they started off with for this the the Green Arrow isn't exactly one that I was always on board with and intrigued with. You know, in the comics, he looks like a like a very dumb, outfitted Robin Hood, and doesn't look like it's someone I would invest my time in. Uh, so when you told me, yeah, this show Arrow is based off the Green Arrow, I'm like, way to pick a terrible superhero to start off. I'm <laughs> so not excited at all. Uh, Josh, I think you kind of felt that way way too, right? I mean, you weren't on board with this from the beginning either. Well, I didn't know who Green Arrow was to, to begin with. Um, as a reminder, never was a huge DC Comics fan in general. Um, and then my second thought was, didn't Seth Rogen already ruin that? And then I realized that was Green Hornet. Um, <laughs> but but I know that Christian, my, my son – watches green arrow and whatever DC cartoon stuff he watches. So it's, uh, it's already been in discussion. He told me I should watch it, even though he has no idea and he'll never watch the show. <laughs> and, and I think the, the, the bold of the prejudice for it, cause that's really what I had. And I know Josh had was that the fact that it stemmed from the, the CW, the and Moesha when, network. <laughs> right. And when you look at their content, it's like <laughs> vampire diaries and, and all these other shows are just it's like, so Raven. I, <laughs> That's it's Disney so, Channel. That's so Raven. Whatever, dude. Whatever. It's, it's all the same. same. 
Uh, but it was just like I'm not I'm not watching the CW. I'm not the the network that brought me Vampire Diaries and relies on syndication of other hit network shows are not going to produce anything of worthwhile. So I'll pass. Uh, and I Hard feel pass. we are entirely wrong and stupid. And maybe the rest of the CW broadcasting isn't good. But man, these two shows are fantastic. Uh, and what I like about them is that they kind of it kind of feels like the. Like the Batman Begins of television. This is not uh, strictly to the comics. And, and Brian, I think you can test that too. This isn't a page-for-page, page, let's take the comic and put it on the screen kind no, of appeal. No way. Uh, um, go ahead, CJ. Well, no, I, I, no, I want to hear your perspective on that because I think that's what some people were looking for or that's what some people thought it would be. And should they be pleasantly surprised or should they be annoyed that it's not holding to – uh, the source material. Honestly, as a as a fan, and I'm more of a Flash fan than I am a Green Arrow fan. Honestly, um, but there, you know, I understand there are certain things you can get away with in a comic book that you can't necessarily do for television or movies or for a mass audience. So I'm okay with some of the changes and some of the the differences that you see there. Um, but I mean, if you're a diehard Green Arrow fan, you just got to go into it knowing that it's not going to be exactly like the comic book. In fact. Um, Green Arrow in the comic book is a lot older. He's a lot more kind of rough around the edges. Um, and, and you're right. This is more of like a, a Batman Begins type of show. It, it's kind of darker. It's it's a little uh, edgier than what Green Arrow fans it, would be used is to. Is it gritty? It, it is gritty. Now, it's, I wouldn't say it's gritty. It's just it's just a darker tone than what you would expect from that character. I'm sorry. I've read the words dark and gritty <laughs> 937 times on the internet in the past two days. Yeah, every, Everything's been dark and gritty. But what I think this is is more grounded in reality. And, and I think the word that I would use for here is grounded. Um, it, it seems like you could actually have this happen. Like it, this could just be something that's happening in Detroit and we would have you know no real idea about it until you start reading about things happening there because that's kind of that's what the city's like. When you get there, it it feels kind of like Detroit. Everything's just everything's rubble, and things aren't aren't looking out too good for anyone that's in the town. <laughs> the cool My thing, apologies the cool to from, anyone who lives in Detroit, by the way. Right? Yeah, yeah. But I think the cool thing is that you have you have several stories happening simultaneously. The origin is happening at the same time as the the real time story, which is cool uh, to follow along with and not have it be this sequential thing, but also. Uh, This goes back to something we talked about on the last podcast, which was that mini stories within the story. And I think that to some degree, Arrow goes a little overboard. Almost they they nearly introduce a different villain in every episode. But at least at least, you know, more or less what you're getting then. Um, And they they sort of bring the villain in at the end of the previous episode for the next one. And that's kind of cool, too. And what the other thing that kind of went along with this and bring this back down to, to the last week is too, this was a show that I had binge watched after Brian told me I needed to do it. And this kind of lends itself to that, that because you're a little behind right now, if you've never watched these shows, it's a perfect show to just dive into and just go ahead, put it on the Netflix queue and go yep. uh, and really and really go for it. Uh, now, I want to comment on something because this is part of the storytelling that Arrow, Arrow uses, which is a little different than The Flash. And we're going to get to The Flash in just a minute. But Arrow relies on present-day happenings and flashbacks. 
And it's this consistent back and forth between it. And in the first two seasons, it's a fantastic mechanism. It really lets you know why someone is doing what they're doing. Um, it's explaining things that you were confused about last week. And it doesn't feel like lazy writing. It's a great mechanism to show you this character. The current seasons right now, this is becoming a bit of a burden for me and my wife. When we watch this, we're like, I get it. Enough. Can we please focus on the present day, I know who this character is. I know why he's doing what he's doing. You're rehashing something. Have you guys found that to, to be a trend with this? That's the only back, you know, the only down thing I have to say about it. Um, I think I'm on episode eight of season three. And didn't you just start watching this show? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but I, tr- I travel a lot and I spend, you know, a lot of nights every week in a hotel and I got time. Um, but and I don't really sleep ever. I'm Batman, actually. So there's this season. There's this whole I I'm, I don't want to spoil it, but like there's this whole other story where I wasn't always here. I was sometimes here. Uh, no, I'm. I right. think I think you're taking some liberties. Right, and, and that's the thing. And I'm sorry, Brian. I'll I'll get right to you. I'm gonna let you finish. Uh, but um, it it does. It's so it feel you agree with me. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah. Okay. All right. Brian, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I can definitely agree with that, too. I, I think this third season, that what, A, what's going on present day is more interesting than what is happening in the flashbacks. And whereas in the first two seasons, every flashback had to do with what was going on in present day. Um, there was some sort of connection there as to a certain person's motivation or something that Ali had had to overcome in the past that is kind of influencing his decisions now. It's not so much the same with this season. Ollie refers to Oliver Queen. That's the that's the arrow. That's the the main character, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry. So uh, so we I I want to clarify something. I know we just took a pretty hard punch to this show as we're telling you to watch it. We love this show. <laughs> this show the show is phenomenal, and this is something that I I kind of want to go on too. The the acting and the, the casting in this is is really great in my opinion. I don't think that anyone is is a weak link within the armor. And for all the Who fans out there, there's a lot of crossover with Doctor Who. Uh, you see a couple of uh, Whovian cast members pop up in this. So my thing is this, and Brian, you, you've read the comics. And is this something that I should uh, – God, I'm going to ask you the same question again. Is this something I need to read the comic in order to watch? Or can I be like Josh and just jump into this? No. You don't have to read the comic. You don't have to know spit about Oliver Queen or Arrow or even Barry Allen and Flash. As I kind of mentioned before, this is a great introduction to those characters. These characters in general, I feel, lend so much better to a television show than they do to do a big budget movie so that you can go into this backstory. And their their villains in general are not huge screen worthy necessarily, that they're they're perfectly fine for a 45 minute episode or even like a, a two or three episode story arc. And that's then we're good. Um, so, was, yeah, no, you don't have to. It was really this. helpful. Sorry, Brian. I'm just going to no, go. I'm going to jump in. What was really helpful for me in watching it was, uh, you know, you Google a character because like, I heard that name. What is that? There's a arrow and flash wiki and then there's the actual character wiki. Right. So they're mm-hmm. they make no bones about it being different in this series. And if you don't mind a little bit of a spoiler when you're watching it. Google it, go to the Arrow and Flash wiki, and you'll immediately see the tie-in. 
And that's sort of what I've been doing. So this is the cool part about this show is that they kind of t- they take risks with this series and they do things that you uh, kind of cringe at at sometimes. They do things where you question why is it happening to this character or why did that happen? But at the end of it, they, they make it make sense. And the, the riskiest thing that they did was the tie into the Flash series and the teasing that. And in the middle of one of the episodes of Arrow, this this character shows up. And you kind of look at him and you're like, I feel like I should know who you are. Something about this seems a little off. And then you realize it's 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 Barry Allen. And you're just like, oh, shit, that's that's the Flash. Oh, crap. And then uh, CW makes this spinoff and, and does the Flash. Now, this is not a spinoff in the sense of, you know, this is a crappy second rate show that they just now. Nah, all right, well, we talked about this character. Let's go make him. They really don't. I, in my opinion, this is better than Arrow. I love Flash so It is better, much. and they learn from some of their mistakes. And because Agreed. I think of uh, Flash, or I'm sorry, Arrow's success, they got a better cast. Yeah, absolutely. On Flash. So it's uh, it's it's a it's a it's a cool show, and I'm only a few episodes in, and I'm already hooked. And Brian and I have had this discussion, even with a coworker too, where we we grab each other and be like, "Hey, did you see Flash and Arrow? Like, I didn't see Arrow, but I saw Flash. Let's talk about Flash." And that this is a departure from some of the canon in the comics. But in this feeling, it feels good. It feels like I'm getting a new story, a fresh story. I'm not uh, spoiled. I get to go along every week and, and feel the ride of this. Um, Brian, you you said you like – and in my opinion, I think Flash is probably one of the coolest, strongest, badass superheroes in, around. Um, how do you feel the casting went when it came to this series? Um, I think it's fantastic. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, as far as DC universe goes, as much as I love the, the Batmans of, of that universe, uh, Flash is probably my favorite character in that universe. Um, and so when we were doing this show, I was really kind of worried about how they were going to portray him and how they were going to cast him. Uh, the cast is spot on. Um, the, the, the cast just in general is very well thought out, very, uh, well acted. And they're doing some things with certain characters and certain stories that they're combining things from the comic book universe that as a fan, I'm like, oh, that's really cool how they're kind of approaching that. Um, but, you know, it, and it's new and it's fresh. So it, it's not like I, you know, hate it or anything. It, it's it's kind of ca- catching me off guard here and there, which is something that is really cool to see. And Grant Gustin as uh, Barry Allen just portrays him perfectly. Barry Allen in, in the comic book has always been the very positive guy. He's always the guy who's just like, hey, let's go catch the bad guys, thumbs up type of guy. And, and he really portrays that so well. Um, so I'm extremely happy with with uh, this entire show. And I love the, the work that Tam Cavanaugh is doing um, as Dr. Dr. Wells. I think that's such an interesting character and he's such a great mentor and he's a smart guy and everything about him is intriguing. Uh, and and what and this is the other thing I like the tones of these two shows, even though they're, they're sometimes still connected and there are crossover episodes, uh, I don't think could be any more different in a great way. You know, Arrow has always taken itself very seriously, and in in it and it relies on moments of brevity just so you can breathe because it, it dark it gets, and gritty <laughs> and it gets so <laughs> tense and grounded and gritty and gritty that you need a couple moments to laugh. 
and arrow i mean flash does kind of not the opposite but they rely more on the comedy and the, and they can hit ton and cheek moments um uh, cisco the character cisco names all the what they call metahumans ridiculous names that would come out of the comic books just because our writers like we will call him cold and he's right, like, but it's it can be lighthearted because right it's not every character suffered this awful tragedy and in in some of that crossover you know you have the arrow saying look this is not central city my my city is destitute it's broken it's dark and gritty you it's not happy this isn't happy fun time so it's but it's cool to see that they know what they are and that they're not afraid to put it out there and but this is the, the the parallel to that is that in the universe of the Flash, a great tragedy has occurred. The city did go through something horrible, but but hold on, but they rose above it and became okay. They they recovered a lot quicker. Um, so I don't think that they're as destitute as everybody else's. And it's not even them portraying Starling City as destitute or anything. It's really the mindset of Oliver Queen, having go, gone through everything that he's gone through, and. Uh, having to, you know, overcome, you know, this great tragedy and how his outlook on life changes versus how Barry Allen's outlook on life is completely different. He, too, suffered an immense tragedy and his and they say it time and time again, he just keeps running and he keeps moving forward and just pushing past it and he doesn't let it affect him. Whereas Ali is really more like He's the he's the dark person of that that entire show. His view of the world is what he sees his city as. Uh, so it, it's when they're both on screen together, you see that difference in those two or three crossover episodes that happen, and it's really cool to watch. So I hope our listeners are really gathering the impression that we're trying to impress upon you that these television shows are not only tied together in a beautiful way, but they're written wonderfully. They they do a great job of explaining what's going on, and they've they make sure that everything goes good. I, I, so when we when we look at the CW handling this, this seems better than what they're doing in their movie universe, in, in my opinion. Um, there are, you know, the Constantine and Gotham, they are DC shows that are on, on different networks, but I think CW is, I think they have the majority of it because they're Warner brothers. Uh, they have a majority of the, of the DC rights and, uh, we don't even want to talk about how terrible Gotham is. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, I could talk about it. It would take about not? three hours of our time or something. Let me, um, hold on. I can summarize this real quick. Gotham sucks. Let's move on. <laughs> so now, now this is now. Hold on, now, now this is the part I want to get to because this is the part that's tied in with what's happening this week. Um, the DC movie universe does not seem to have its shit together like the DC television universe has right now, uh, and that leads us to the trailer that happened for Batman versus Superman. Um, if you haven't seen the trailer, it's available on our website, thatkindofnerd.com. Go ahead and go check it out. I'll put it in the show notes here for the podcast. Um, it's not a huge reveal. There's nothing in there that they're like, holy crap. At least that I saw. It's a teaser. Um, right. No. Um, no, no, there are holy crap moments (laughs) in there, but it's not sitting there revealing the storyline for this. Uh, So for the listeners, and I'll do this at the beginning as well, if if we need to, if there are spoilers that we come across with, I will go ahead and I will let you know when you can skip and I'll make sure that we can keep this kind of How are there going to be spoilers? Nobody's seen the movie. What spoilers are you talking about? Uh, Okay, so hold on. But this is the topic I want to get to. So I want to guide us. I want to guide the ship here. 
do you think that DC movie universe has its shit together? Because I'm watching Flash, I'm watching Arrow, I'm loving these two characters so much that uh, now we're looking at the movie universe, we're talking about Justice League, and I don't see these two characters, I mean these two actors, sign on at all. And I'm investing my time into this universe, I'm investing my time into these characters and these actors, and I don't see them anywhere. Does he, is that a problem? Um, I view it as a huge problem. Um, I think that the these two characters can definitely hold their own in a movie. And, and what confuses me is that they, they're going to do a Flash movie. It's due out in 2018. And they cast the uh, Ezra Miller, the, the kid who was in Perks of Being a Wallflower, as Barry Allen. When I'm sitting here scratching my head saying, we have a perfectly good Flash right on the screen why are we gonna bother why can't we just use this this flash that we've spent so much time building up in a justice league movie um so because he looks and sounds like matthew lillard <laughs> i'm serious my, that's that's the reason why you think he can't go hollywood he reminds me of matthew lillard he's like a goofy shaggy looking. he is the I most mean, clean cut character i've seen on television in a long time no, 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 no. Shaggy, Shaggy, the Scooby-Doo character. Shaggy, Matthew Lillard. Ruh-roh. Right? So, but I, look, we, we talked about this before, and I can't remember if it was on a podcast or not. Uh, I don't see these characters being greenlit for the big screen. I don't see Stephen Amell or I just don't, I don't see it. I can't disagree with you anymore because these I know. characters I know are killing CW ratings. But you, you They're getting you to watch wrong. a network that you would never watch. You would never watch the CW. I'm still not watching the CW. But you are for Flash and Arrow. He, he's watching them on Netflix, so. I'm not watching the CW. Okay, the fact yeah. that you're on Netflix, you are still supporting the network that has put the content onto the air. Whether you want to nope. or not, you're doing it. False, false. <laughs> You just can't watch. You just can't bear to say I've watched I, something from the CW. I'm not watching anything on the CW. <laughs> uh, so these characters are doing. The, the actors are doing so well. The writers are doing so well. Like seriously, yeah, what? Why is DC great TV? CJ, it can't. It doesn't translate. Now, now that's not true. If you look at Marvel and what they're doing right now, when you look at the other side of the comic book coin, the tie-ins to the movies, Agent Coulson, everything that's happening. They are okay to go. You could take some of those scenarios to who's done real movies and real TV. That doesn't. So it doesn't matter anymore. That's what I'm saying. This TV. Uh, No, this TV movie. Who it matters to? It matters to the studios. It matters to the people that cast for the movie. But shouldn't we care about the people who pay to see the movie? No. Fuck (laughs) them. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a moviegoer, Josh Burns has made his opinion very clear about this. No, it's not my opinion. It's the opinion of the uh, studio. I, I will give him credit for that. The studios are very behind for this. Well, okay, so th- so here's the question. Fans have, and we've talked about this before, the internet and fans can really rally behind something and try to make it a reality. Do you think that there's any hope that if the people speak up that someone in D.C., someone in Warner Brothers can pop their head out of the sand and, and go for this? Um. Go, go for merging their television and, and movie universe? Definitely not. You, because that would just be a smart economical move. Well, wh- wh- whether or not you and I think it's a smart economical move or whether we think from a story point it's a smart move, it's not the reality of the situation. They've already greenlit uh, a crap ton of movies all the way through the year 2020, and they've already started casting stuff like Flash. Uh, there's no Green Arrow movie in the works, but they've already casted most of the Justice League movies, part one and two. And Aquaman and, and all these other shows that uh, these movies that you were like, oh, we have existing people. It's already done. 
It's set in stone. They're, they're not going to change their mind. I know. I know you're over there shaking your head, CJ. I know you don't like it, but here, here's the long. I don't like it, it either. I'm just the, saying, no, the I know that situation. Brian, but we knew you weren't going to like it, right? I, I need to rely on CJ somewhat as the host of this podcast to, to, to sometimes take a step back. You got to tell the inner nerd just, Hey dude, calm down. Look, here's why you have me here. This is the real world perspective. Nobody gives a shit. It doesn't make any money. Steven, hold on. No, no, I'm agreeing with you. As the arrow, as good as Steven Amell is, I hope I'm getting that name right. And he is good. He's great as the arrow on TV. Amazing. It's, he's not a a movie draw. He's not somebody that a 45-year-old woman, man, a grandmother, 60, who goes to the movies every Wednesday with her friends after they walk the mall. It's not... (laughs) <laughs> it's not someone that they go, I'm going to go see that guy. You know That's who also is? also not their main audience you know for these movies. Ben Affleck. I knew you were going to go Channing right Channing fucking Tatum. That, look, these people get the movie roles. They do. Gal Gadot probably has no business being Wonder Woman, but she was in the Fast and Furious series. So so let's get into that because we deviated a little bit. I want to push back back on track. So let's talk about this trailer uh, because this is the Ben Affleck. Uh, this is Ben Affleck. and Affleck. Thank you. You call him Batfleck. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's that's and the internet thing. It, that is the internet thing. For <laughs> All right, I'm not, I'm never gonna do it. And then we have our, our British <laughs> Superman because I won't even get into how we're outsourcing our superheroes. But let's get into this. The trailer. Dude, Henry Cavill is he oh. is a striking gentleman. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. So let's talk about this trailer a bit. And the the high quality version is out online today. Uh, at the recording of this, we recording this on Friday the seventeenth. The internet went crazy viral with a shaky handy cam version of it. Um, first impressions, what do we think? Josh, go. Dude, I, it, it, it looks awesome. It looks great. It looks like, uh, and I, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the comic book story, but it looks like exactly what you'd think it should be after the first super, after man of steel, where this dude jacked up metropolis and now, now you got bat, a Batman rise to power in Gotham. He's, Gonna have to address it. It, it looks awesome. Uh, it looks like a an absolute blockbuster. I'm gonna see it in the theater with popcorn. It's gonna be awesome. Um, now that being said, my kid's not gonna see it in the theater, and 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 that you know, seven years old can't do it. I, I would like to, but I, I should say that it's. I don't see it being any way appropriate for young kids. All right, Brian, your first impressions once you saw it. Um, so I, I was really worried about this movie. I've been reading a lot of stuff, and, and, and nothing official has come out. So it's all, here's what we think is going to happen, rumors, hearsay. This guy said this one thing to his mom's daughter's cat, and now his cat is talking to us type of thing. And um, so there's a lot of speculation around it. Uh, the trailer did exactly what it was supposed to do for me. It, it teased it. And it, it got me excited. Honestly, I think the look, everything looks great. It looks like like a panel out of Dark Knight Returns, honestly. That that last scene where you see Batman kind of in that armor and Superman up in the sky, you're like, oh, my God, shit is about to go down. Um, and it was just like reading uh, the, the Dark Knight Returns. So I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. And uh, I, I just hope it doesn't like get kind of lost in the in the shuffle of all the Marvel stuff. Two things. Uh, 
the first thing I took from that is that uh, your roommate has a talking cat. Uh, secondly, <laughs> since you talked about the comic book a little bit, how old is Bruce Wayne supposed to be? Because we just did Nightfall story arc in Dark Knight Rises, and that was old Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think we know yet. Well, uh, again, I this think is Brian speculation. I, I know, I know all. Um, I have special connections uh, you don't know about. No, from everything that I'm reading, uh, Batman is older. He's not like old man. Well, yeah, and you also have to remember DC has made it very clear that the Nolan verse, as they like to call it, that Dark Knight trilogy has nothing to do with what they're doing here. Um, they're not going to mesh or cross over or anything. It's a separate thing. It's a separate universe. Nolan did a perfect job. Let's just leave it alone. Um, so – from everything I've read, Batman is older. He's been in in Gotham for a while now. Follow-up question. Because it's – no one did a perfect job. We're going to leave that alone. Is that ha- – have different writers and artists already done that with Batman? Done what with Batman? Just restarted the story in different places I'm, from a comic book perspective. I don't know. And now I'm seeking to understand from my own perspective. Um, from a comic book perspective, things get reboot, re- rebooted, relaunched, redone, separate universe consistently and constantly. And they're going through it again right now. This story, um, this story is so, what I'm asking about. Like, I want to know if I am a comic book guy, but I've never read this story arc. Where am I looking? This story is, is from what I've read, is very heavily influenced by the Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller's run, uh, four issue miniseries that he did in the the eighties. I think it came out in like eighty six. Thank you. So I want to give my reactions because we we do have run into that. And um, I'll be honest, I wanted to hate this from the beginning. Um, Zack Snyder has a weird place in my nerdy heart where I love and hate him for certain things. And and when I when I read this and when I saw this and when the trailer came out. I, Admittedly, I'm excited because it does look fantastic. It looks it, and it's stylistically uh, a Zack Snyder movie. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it that it's it's his influence in there. It just has that tone. It's almost like watching a Tim Burton movie. You look at it and you're like, oh, well, Tim Burton is involved in this. Uh, he's got the similar style. Um, you know that because of the poop emoji that appears right before anything <laughs> Tim Burton does, <laughs> and the Johnny and the Johnny Depp uh, face that pops up on the screen. Right, right, right. Um, but I, I'm still on the fence about this. I I don't. I'm so afraid to get my hopes up and be let down um, just because this is such a weird thing to do. And just like you're bringing up, Josh, this is kind of weird to us. We just got done a Batman series and now we're just going to flash to old Bruce Wayne. Like that's all we know is that he's not young. He's not a whippersnapper. He has to wear an Iron Man like suit to fight Superman. Because he's kind of because it's Superman. He's Superman, but he's not. Listen, he could just put on some badass, cool, heavy duty like bulletproof armor. But this has to give him more strength. So, hey, I'll rebuttal that by saying he's Superman. (laughs) I haven't read any Batman comic books in my entire life. So when you guys are talking about these, the Dark Knight sagas and this and that and the other thing, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. So I've only been exposed to Batman from the television series and of Batman. (laughs) Please, that's fine. But but I've only ever had it from the television series and I've only ever had it from all this stuff. So I don't know these story arcs. And I'm concerned as to a point that Josh brought up that I'm coming into it in a Superman we just established and a Batman I have no idea about. And I'm nervous about that. As as a moviegoer, I'm nervous about that. I don't think you should be. One thing that DC has done well in in recent years that Marvel has not is 
the um, the animation full length animation films mm-hmm. have been They're fantastic, amazing. and Absolutely. I think that in in the same way that if you're a uh, a fan of the Matrix, which you better put that on the schedule for another podcast. If you're a fan of the Matrix, the Animatrix the was a huge link, right? Mm-hmm. And I think DC has done that good a job with the animated full-length features. But no one who's interested in not no one. The the main moviegoing audience, as we said, who who will not who will not go ahead and let us do Flash and Air the way we want them to, will not go ahead and watch these these movies and these shorts in order to do they that in order to, to see this. They won't need to. Batman and Superman are the most storied superheroes we have. So the, here's the thing, I just want someone to come for me in one fact and then we can we can go on and tangent. Why should I be okay with just like you said, Josh, jumping into a totally different older Batman and be ready and excited to watch it because he's Batman. Someone, someone, come for me. But give me a better reason. Is that the, is that listen, the reason? That, that, that is the reason. reason. Batman look. has been around forever. So hold on. Let, let, let's let's get this one at a time. I'm going to give you two examples why people will go pay to see this movie. Batfleck, Val Kilmer, and George Clooney. People went to see those movies. He's the most recognizable superhero. He's almost as recognizable, if not more so, than Superman. Everybody knows his story. I could walk, I could throw a rock, find some random person, and say, "Hey, you know, what do you know about Batman?" And be like, "Yeah, he can at least tell me the origin story." You don't need to know anything else. He could swing one of his cats. He could swing yes. one of his cats and hit. And, and my cat will start talking to them about Batman, and then it'll be like a little tea party, <laughs> like a Tim Burton film. So here's here, here's my concern, and and this is this is it. And I guess this is kind of the root of it. How much time am I going to get a while you were away? This is what Batman's been doing. And while you're away, this is what Superman's been doing. And then we have to find the reason for them to collide. How long is that going to be in the movie? Yeah, I I foresee maybe 20 minutes of backstory. Honestly, and that's all you're going to need. Will will the, the general audience and people who are listening to this podcast who got lost with us Will they be able to tag along and just Absolutely. go into it? So, Because here's the thing. Again, it's not about what do you know about these characters because everybody knows about these characters. We just saw Man of Steel. We know what happened with Superman. There's no while you were away. Metropolis is screwed up, and it's thanks to Superman. So he's going to have to deal with that. And everything I've read is that the reaction and whatever you know reasoning Batman and Superman have to clash is probably going to be due to this. And Batman has been around for in, in Gotham for a while. And we all know what Bat, he's doing what Batman does best. He's jumping off of buildings, kicking ass, and taking, taking names. That, that's it. So then let me ask you the, the next question. Um, let's throw out everything you've, you've read. Impossible. Let's just presume it's that ingrained it's ingrained in my false. DNA. I know you're good. <laughs> just do me a favor. Do me a favor. Press Control X, put it on your clipboard, and just let it chill there for a minute. It's off your desktop, okay? I want you to just tell me from the trailer what you are expecting um just based off based off of that knowing nothing else what are you expecting a A fight fight. (laughs) a fight i mean seriously let's put it this way just based off the trailer your first and it was what a minute trailer maybe and the first 30 seconds is monopolized with people demonizing superman over what happened with metropolis and you hear jesse eisenberg as lex Luthor say uh you know we don't realize that devils don't come from under our feet they come from the sky and you're going to witness this intense outcry for some sort of justice. Something needs to happen. Superman needs to pay for what he did. He destroyed half of a major city. And you're going to see a fight. It's, it's going to start out. In this, in this case, go ahead. 
in this case, Batman is is both the hero they need and the one they deserve right now. So is Batman policing Metropolis and saying, I need to go take Superman to justice? Is I that think what we're it's getting? largely – I think there's going to take place – some of it is going to take place in Metropolis. But I think a large part of it is going to be in Gotham. I think Superman's – I don't know what because uh, every scene in that trailer looks like it's in Gotham already. And I think Superman's going to be in there for some reason and Batman's going to be like, I saw what you did to Metropolis. Not in my town. Get out. So n- – so this is the next part, and then I, I, we're going to move on to another topic, but I want to end with an over-under, if, if I may, Josh. Uh, um, if you know the answer to this from the comic book series, abstain. Um, Batman versus Superman, who wins? Batman wins this round. Is this, is this a – do you think this is a one-fight battle? Do they, is this, is you won the battle, but you, may have, you haven't won the war yet, or is this going to be over after this? Am I going to see a Batman versus Superman 2? No. No, this is in, – in, in, I don't know a whole lot about the the comic book battle, but uh, Marvel is gearing up for Civil War, and that's an ongoing thing. So DC has to do the same thing, regardless of whether it is canon as far as the comics are concerned. It's going to have to be multiple battles. So so real quick, Josh, your, your answer, Batman or Superman, who wins? In this movie or overall? Who wins? Who wins this fight? Who wins this fight? Who wins this Batman fight? Wins. This movie. Okay. Batman wins. Okay. Now, uh, Brian, I want to answer you that question. I know you're digging for another topic. I'll get, get to. It, I swear to God. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me who? Unless you know the answer, who wins? I know who wins. It's been done so many times. It's been done so many times in the comic book, in the cartoon, and there are there are definite extenuating circumstances that have to happen in this particular scenario. Batman will find a way. Here's the thing about Batman: if you give him enough time to prepare, he will beat anybody. That's because because mm-hmm. that's how smart he is. He's got right. unlimited means. He's got unlimited knowledge. If you give him enough time, he will find a way to beat you. Now, if Batman's walking down the street with his groceries and Superman swoops in and be like, I heard you were talking shit about my mom and starts beating on him. Batman's going to lose that round. But if he goes home and stews on it and then, you know, comes back and he's like, I want a rematch. He's going to win. Period. And, and I'm saying from my movie perspective, I, I agree with you. I think Batman's going to win this. Okay. Brian, here's the topic I want you to, to unleash on this because I know you've been thinking around. What is the DC storyline? What is the hunt that follows this movie? What comes from this? It's, it's again, it's a lot of hearsay. I've, I've been all over the place reading multiple articles. There's so many movies coming out, so much speculation. Um, this movie in particular is, is really going to set the stage for Justice League. This movie is going to be... You may see one or two fights, but honestly, just like every good 90s or 80s team up or, or versus issue, they're going to fight and they're going to realize, hey, we're on the same side. Let's team up against the, the real baddie for the greater good. Um, and that's going to spawn what, what we're going to know as the Justice League and all the other 20 other movies that DC has planned over the next uh, five or six years. So there's a lot in the pipeline and I'm really excited to see kind of where it goes. Sure. So my my boy Nick uh Brian has has listened to the podcast and he he has this question um he we want to know obviously are we going to cover this topic um are we going to cover the new Aquaman can they shake off his weaknesses and bad image specifically that question can specifically can Aquaman? they wipe away the I mean it's a ridiculous image that Aquaman has He's um, got probably is. the worst perspective. And even, I mean, even if you watch the Big Bang Theory, he's, Aquaman He's, he's Mermaid Man. He's Mermaid he, Man. Yeah. He's, he's viewed as, as a joke. Here's the thing, and uh, I actually really enjoy Aquaman. And I'm not going to lie. That's not a, a joke or anything in the comic book. 
Uh, I think he is a really strong character. He's just never handled correctly. So he's gotten this like really kind of horrible image. That's really probably due to the Super Friends cartoon where if there was, you know, something in water, hey, Aquaman can help you with with a dolphin or a whale that'll help you, you know, kind of get where you're going. But uh, if we're doing anything in outer space, Aquaman's freaking useless. Like, um, and that was that's that's the Super Friends cartoon fall. He's actually very formidable. Yeah, look at it at, at a couple of different perspectives, and I think they're definitely going to address this in the movie. There's a reason they have uh, was his name Jason Momoa playing him um, because he's he's freaking huge. He looks badass. Um, he's called Drogo. Yeah, he played Drogo in Game of Thrones, and 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 he played Conan the Barbarian. Yes. Right. Right. Um, Aquaman on a, on a pure strength level is just as strong as some of the big bats. He's almost as strong as Superman, just because he lives, you know, in the depths of the ocean that no one right, can go to. Right. But if to. he doesn't have water, like if they're gonna have this fight in, I don't know, a landlocked state, Colorado, we're screwed. Do you think? So this is the question, and and I want you to keep this concise because I, I, we have another topic. Do you think that DC, knowing everything that we just talked about with DC, can they shake the the perspective of Aquaman being a crappy superhero and show him as the character that you see him as? Do you think they can do it? Yeah, I think they can do it. I really do. Um, and and just the the image that they released just now of it's uh, that picture of Momoa as Aquaman says unite the seven. Um, and if you haven't seen it, we'll we'll definitely make sure it's up on the site by the end of this podcast. But um. He he looks the he looks like formidable. He looks kind of like I wouldn't want to cross that guy in a dark alley. And um, I think that the movie and in the Justice League in general, he's definitely going to be a, a big contributor. And um, he people are going to kind of see him in a different light after this. I definitely think we're going to sh- see a different Aquaman going forward. So thank you, Nick, for for asking that question. I hope he answered it to your satisfaction. Um, and we're going to go over again at the end of the show how you can get us questions so that we can address them here on the show. So let's go to the final thing, a thing that probably got us probably the most nerd excited ever. It was so exciting that Brian and I um, stepped we, outside we from stepped work. stepped outside from work. We were supposed Stop to be we working. Doing. <laughs> and we went outside and we, and we watched the trailer to Star Wars. It was the second uh, trailer that's been released. Uh, in my opinion, it's the one that's probably given me the most um, hope uh, in, in what's happening Pun right intended. now. Because I saw zero lens flare coming from it, um, which made me super excited. Um, so gosh, what are you feeling after you see something like this? This has been a movie that's been in the making in the talks for years now. And now we finally have some extra footage that we haven't had before. What do you think? It's, I mean, of course it's going to be great, but this is just going to set up the next two. So, so you're you're not you're not feeling that this is a renewed thing that we're going to be able to just go. You feel this is a setup movie. This is the look. George Lucas, above all, uh, is a giant money machine. What was Lucas's involvement with this, though? I didn't think it was as heavy because he sold these rights to Disney. He still has creative licenses over it. It, it is his well, character. Well, I know he gets the input, but I mean, this doesn't He's seem like a Lucas movie. He's got to be making some money from it. Yeah, I know, but so the so here was the problem, and and when we talk about the the, the prequels, um, what a heavy CGI intensive. Well, maybe maybe we should explore this from a different angle now. Go ahead, now yes, that, please. Okay, so if if not George, Lu- you know what? You're right. Disney isn't known for just making sequel upon sequel upon sequel. Right. No, 
They they absolutely are. That's what they do. Aladdin they two and three, movies. Beauty and the Beast two, four and five. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on. You're, you're naming those direct to DVD ones. It still it counts. Doesn't matter. They're still sequels. They're movies. So they are indeed movies. In in the history of Star Wars, the movies come in threes. Right. So do you feel that Disney does is not going to give it this reverence? Do you think that they don't realize how important this is that this is make and break of for the Star Wars? Of course it's important, but it's gonna it's only gonna give us a bit. Like we're gonna the movie's gonna be awesome, right? And then just like a new hope at the very end, that's when they're gonna leave you with the big deal, what's coming next. So are you guard so let me ask you the question. Do you feel that you've been burned before and you're guarded coming into this trailer and you're trying to to protect yourself? I am a bit guarded. I look I of course the trailer was amazing. It's set up to be that way, but there are so many different stories in the expanded Star Wars universe. So many different directions they could go, and there's no way that anybody can accurately predict which way it's going to go. So the trailer was very cool, but you know what other trailer was awesome? The Phantom Menace trailer. <laughs> you're, you're saying don't put your stock in the trailer. We have to wait till we actually No, Misa thinking you should probably wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, Brian, I uh, I was with you when we watched this trailer, and I I can tell by the look on your face when we were watching it, you didn't feel that way initially, but I'm now thinking you're a little jaded No, too. I, I'm not jaded at all, actually, because here's the thing. Uh, yeah, I was burned by, by Phantom Menace and, and whatnot, but, I mean, Phantom Menace came out in, what, 97? So I was 13. I didn't know much better. Um, and No, you're we, way we more looked- naive now than you were then. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, we look back at those now and we're like, oh, God, that was awful. Um, at the time, you know, I, I enjoyed it. But here, here's the thing. Regardless, uh, I, I do agree with Josh. It's a setup movie. It's going to it's gonna be leading into something bigger. And, and that's okay with me because guess what? J.J. Abrams has done no wrong as far as I'm concerned. He's I've amazing. Seen, he's he's amazing. amazing. So regardless of whether what you know how Disney decides to treat this, J.J. Abrams is behind the helm, and it's gonna be fantastic. I'm on the record saying I think this is gonna be an amazing film, but I'm I'm also on the record saying don't expect to get the big picture yet. Expect you know yeah. what was bigger than the Death Star, the second one. So <laughs> it, just you know, and at the end of it, maybe we get an Ewok. What was nice? What was really cool was Harrison Ford and Chewbacca. Yeah, I was, I was gonna thrilled. Say, when I watched that. it, I'm getting very excited. I'm, I'm so far, I'm loving the story. And I'll say from this, from a filming perspective, what really kind of took me out of epi- the prequels was the heavy amount of CGI. And it's been a, a Lucas problem, in, in my opinion. They redid E.T. to put walkie-talkies in people's hands and CGI things that were unnecessary. Han shot first. And Abram seems to come with a much more practical effects. Right, exactly. Han did shoot first. Uh, but J.J. Abrams is coming out with a more practical effects feel. Everything seems to be rooted in let's build a set, let's do this, let's make explosions happen. Everything seems to be pretty good. And I got very excited about this. And I, Josh, I think I let my guard down too much. And, and if Disney hits me harder because I'm coming with such high expectations, I'll be okay with that. But I agree that this is going to be an amazing film. We've posted the trailer on our website as well, so you can check out both of these so you, you can see them. Um, now, this kind of brings me to a, a point that I, I kind of want to share. And um, Josh, you've mentioned several times that you have kids and, and I have a daughter. And, and Brian, I know when you have kids – you're going to want some nerdy things to, to be happening in their life. No, not and at all. No way, right? That would you're be gonna, weird. You're going to totally raise them to be anti-comic book. Yeah, no, they're going to they're gonna love cars and football and mitten stuff. <laughs> so I want to raise a, a topic here. 
And that is um, before these prequels were official and before they were real, it came down to what is the best way to watch Star Wars? And for the people that are coming into the prequel knowing nothing, how do we do this? What are we going to do so that that way we can get the best experience at this? So there are a couple people out there, believe it or not, who have not watched Star Wars. And I want to offer an opinion that came actually from CNET. They did a top five uh, video that they do a lot. And they kind of recommended an order. And I, I want to play it for you. So um, check this out. Machete Order. Conceived by Rod Hilton and named after his blog, Machete Order takes the flashback order and does something magical. It goes four, five, two, three, six, and it treats episode one like the forgettable, unnecessary bastard that it is. All of the most flinch-inducing parts of the prequels are gone. No Jar Jar, no pod races, no Darth Vader in diapers, no trade disputes, no midi-calorians. It's actually astounding how little episode one matters to the rest of the story. Everything you need to know about episode one is summed up in the opening scroll of episode two. In fact, booting out episode one makes episodes two and three better. The Padme romance seems age-appropriate, and Anakin seems like a jerk from the get-go. It also makes Return of the Jedi better because you jump from Anakin's fall to the dark side straight to Luke's parallel story of temptation, ending in redemption this time. I know it sounds sacrilegious, mixing the trilogies up, but give it a shot. Okay, so the machete order, four, five, two, three, and six. And he brings up some good points. And you know, my favorite one is I don't have to deal with metachlorians anymore. I can feel good about myself. And I don't have Jar Jar Binks. Yay. The what do you think about that? A, it's a big part of the story. The midichlorians is a huge part of the story. And I don't I, care if you don't know much about the Star Wars universe. To hear that this child – that and here's the other thing that it does – that I'm going to say is no good. It gets rid of Qui-Gon Jinn. And that's that's a no-go for me. Uh, that's an absolute no-go. No-go for me. For the, as, but, as much as I hate Jar Jar, I parallel opposite love Qui-Gon. Right. So here's the thing. Qui-Gon finds a child who has a rating of the Force, who possesses more of the Force or as much of the Force as Master Yoda. That's the story. If you don't hear that, you never know that about Anakin. They don't mention it at all in any of the other movies? Not ever again. No. Okay. So, all right. So if you had the machete order and you guys wanted to add episode one back in, knowing some of the point, the finer points of that, do you, or do you just think this is totally invalid? Look, one, two, three, four, five, six. Watch it. That's the way my son watched it. He's seven. You know what he says? Jar Jar's stupid. Otherwise, it's great. <laughs> do, do you think it's any valid points in the fact that you don't spoil Luke and your father and, and, well, and then course. you understand what Hayden Christensen's doing in the in the hologram instead of just being a Starbucks barista, as he calls him? What do you mean you don't spoil Luke and his father? What are you talking about? No, the, the Luke, I'm your father part really isn't addressed at that. If you do four five, two, three, six, you uh, keep the I, you keep the reveal I, of Luke, I'm your father. Because no. if you go right into one, two, three, four, five, six, no, you're just that like, happens, well, no that shit. happens in five, dude. Right. He's saying that if you watch one, two, three, you know that Luke, uh, Darth Vader and, and Anakin is Luke's father. You if know you do that. four, five, two, three, six, you don't know that. So, so you, keep so you the, still retain some of the magic of that moment. Exactly. Because that moment is so important for us as we saw it. Because I, can't, I can't eliminate that knowledge from my brain. So I don't, so I don't know. I want to do this part. 
uh, it seems we have mixed review. And I just I just showed it to these guys to, to to be fair to them. I didn't give them any time to prep for it or to or to kick it around. Um, so I, I'm curious as to the viewers if you think this is a viable option because you know by the time my daughter is ready to watch Star Wars, these three trilogies will already be out ready, and they'll have the other three again. I'll have I'll have six new movies that aren't even out. Um, How, when are you planning on introducing a lot to Star of, Wars? Yeah, is she going to watch this when she's forty? Uh, yeah, pretty much, right? From the moment I was able to understand what a movie was, I watched Star Wars. I remember yeah, being like Lily's, six. Lily's two. Lily's, three? Lily's two. She's two now. I remember she's being two. six years old and my dad going into his room and saying, "We're going to watch these today." And so, so I have three years, assuming that we pop out the the next three in the next three years. I'll still have three additional movies that I'm going to have to reorder this for. Hold on, hold on. This is this is this is besides the point, though. This is besides the point. Um, Your math is off. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I'm fan. All right, I'll admit my math is off. Jeez. <laughs> oh, if for the record, anyone who's going to leave a comment for this, uh, they're not going to tear you apart as much as they're tearing me apart. So we do want to hear from you because well, we do know do you, you. Do you think this is a viable option, or at least something that deserves tweaking, so you can include your episode one? That you could introduce to someone our age who has never seen Star Wars going into these new movies. Yes. Do you think that works? Yes. If you've never seen it. We have – Brian and I have a coworker who's never seen Star Wars. Shut up. Do, I'm, I'm not kidding. Do you think this is the right order? I, when I – the last person I introduced to Star Wars who has never seen it, we did four, five, six, and if you feel like it, one, two, three. But you need to watch four, five, six, and it worked out just fine that way. Okay, so this is the the question I want to pose to to the viewers and to the listeners. Is this a good order? How will you introduce people to Star Wars not knowing these trilogies coming into this movie? And the other thing too is, and I don't want to I don't want to glaze over this, but I kind of want to get to the point for this. There's going to be some more things tying these new trilogies together. Is the Battlefield series that's coming up, and I think that this is going to really Battlefront. Battle, I'm so sorry. Battlefront series is going to help sir. tie these together. How dare I mess up a newly announced title that I'm not exactly familiar with yet? Anyway, we're go- we're going to have a post about the the Battlefront uh, series too. Uh, but do you think this is the right way that you could introduce someone who's never seen Star Wars to the movie? So we want to hear. Uh, you know, you can go ahead and leave a comment directly on our website, so that way you can voice it that way. We also have our our telephone number, which is four eight four three seven three. Four one one nine. Josh will still joke you will be safe calling this, even though it is a reading number. You can also email us at podcast at that kind of nerd.com. So I want to get a wrap up. I want to hear your guys' overall impression of, of everything here. Um, are we okay right now with the state of DC TV? Do you guys think that you should encourage your friends and, and our and our listeners to watch Arrow and Flash and be ready for that? Do you think that's a, a great piece of advice for them? Um, I, I don't think you need to watch it to be ready, but it, it's a damn good show. Both of them are. So if you have some time to to sit down and, and power watch uh, three seasons of Arrow and, and the one season of Flash that's currently running and, and just do it. It's they're great. Just standalone stories as it is. Uh, as far as the rest of the DC universe go, Constantine is good. Gotham, you can skip. Josh, you are a new person coming into this uh, DC television. How do you feel? I love it. I think that. uh it's not only, you know, binge worthy, it's it's reinvigorated my my desire to learn more about the DC universe, which I had all but abandoned, except for, you know, Batman Superman. 
I agree. I think it's a great way to start seeing that DC isn't just Batman, Superman, that there is more to it and that you can start to to get to see that in in a different light. And and I think I and I think we're okay and I think we have enough information to go forward on the Batman versus Superman movie to at least start forming opinions as to okay, it's safe it's safe to see. Was there anything in that trailer that you think people really should pay attention to or rewatch or is there a, a glimmer or something that we you think we missed that our view, that our listeners need to know? Um honestly, and I do this with every teaser trailer uh cuz I'm crazy i haven't gone through it frame by frame yet i'm sure there's little nuggets there for for comic book fans uh average moviegoer it it, it does exactly what it's meant to do it gets you excited it gets you you see ben affleck you're like oh he's dreamy all right let's do this so i mean i I think the trailer overall was very well done yeah i i I think the same as brian obviously very well done and you can't any theatrical release this big is going to have an amazing trailer uh but i think that the story Behind the trailer is even bigger, and I think that they have the right cast of characters. I'm especially excited about Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, and I want to see sort of what path that goes. Um, The theme for me that I took away from that trailer is Superman's going to get hurt. Um, He's being cast out by the people that he loves, basically. He's being vilified in the media and Batman is threatening his life. So he's going to be hurt and I can't wait to see how it how it pans out. And and finally, our, our last topic, Star Wars. I mean, we could go on for this for hours and I think this may be another topic for another show. But overall, are you guys are you guys excited? Are, are you ready? Or do you think J.J. Abrams is doing this justice? Do you think we're in good hands now that we have him at the helm? Have you seen Star Trek? Yes. Okay. Look, I'm good. Then you have you the answer. My, you, yeah, you my, can't. My, my only uh, counter to that is lens flare. Look, I've known – I know nothing about Star Trek. Nothing about it. But I saw the first one, couldn't wait for the second one. And from that point on, really anything J.J. Abrams does, I'm going to watch. And – Star Wars is a huge franchise with a cult following and they're exploring the story that has been rumored and done a million different ways and they're going to put an official voice to it, which is cool. Brian, do you have, I know you have a lot of things, but do you have anything else that you think viewers should know going into this Star Wars trailer? Um, go, no. Uh, again, I, I think this... This trailer does such a good job because every Star Wars fan in the world was waiting. I just want to see Han. I want to see Luke. I want to see somebody that I know from the original trilogy. And you get that. And it's brief, but it's awesome. And you get that same feeling just a little bit like when you watch Star Wars for the first time. And so it did exactly what it was meant to do. I will be there Christmas Day after eating dinner, uh, Christmas dinner. I will be at the theater Christmas Day seeing that movie. And and that's the thing. I I know we didn't talk about it a whole lot, but you've seen uh, Harrison Ford and and Chewbacca show up, got me giddy, uh, and I felt so excited. So I'm I'm super pumped for it. So again, here's here's what we kind of want to hear. Uh, we want to hear your opinions on any topic you think we should have covered. We want to hear about uh, your thoughts on DC. We want to hear about Flash and Arrow, uh, and of course we want to hear about Batman versus Superman and Star Wars. Uh, kick around that machete order. See if you think that's a good way to introduce somebody to the series. Uh, again, our phone number is. Is four eight four three seven three 
4119. Uh, if you leave a message we think is great, we'll go ahead and we'll play it on the show. If you get us really riled up about something, you think we you have such a great topic, we may even have you on the show and invite you live to it. Also, email any questions, comments at podcast at thatkindofnerd.com. Uh, check out our website. We're going to be posting articles about the topics that we've talked about today. Uh, thank you, Josh. Thank you, Brian, for coming on and, and sharing your opinions. And Josh, for keeping us level-headed and grounded and dark and gritty, dark and gritty, dark and gritty. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is That Kind of Nerd Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the That Kind of Nerd Podcast. We want to thank everyone for their support, and it means so much to us that you listen to our show. But we still need some help. So on our website, thatkindofnerd.com, we have a link to a GoFundMe campaign that will help us buy more equipment and necessary software to make the podcast. Whether you donate $100 or $1, we appreciate everything that you do, and we'll give you a shout-out on the website and at the beginning of the podcast. So go to thatkindofnerd.com, look for our link for our GoFundMe, and help the show keep going. And at the end of it, maybe we get an Ewok.